We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Nick Delmonico actually likes to be called Nicky, as in darling Nicky, by Prince 30 years ago. Red Sox fans are calling him something else entirely now. A three-run walk-off homer off a Ryan Brazier slider and a 6-4 White Sox win over the Red Sox to stop a three-game Boston win streak. Chances squandered, opportunities lost on a walk-off by Nicky Delmonico. And if that's not enough to frost your flakes, wait till you hear some of the other nonsense everyone was dealing with. We'll get into it now. It's Sox Daily. It's your Daily Sox podcast. It's your Daily Sox podcast. It's where you're going to find out. Oh, what a day. What a day in Chicago. Not so much. Josh Lewin with you. And if I sound a little down in the mouth, if I sound a little crabby, a little curmudgeonly, uh, I'll give you that one. It all started even before the 6-4 walk-off thing, which we'll get to. Believe me, we'll get to that. We'll hear from Alex Cora, and we'll hear from David Price, who pitched okay but not great. Oh, by the way, before I forget to do this, uh, please, if you're digging this podcast, and we hope that you are, I haven't been asking you to do what I've, I should be doing, which is to have you go to iTunes and give it the, the five-star Uber rating, because apparently that helps. Uh, makes everybody happy, and uh, I don't know what happens uh, after that or why it's such a big deal, but everybody in the podcast world tells me you need to have those five stars and have people subscribe to it. So if you haven't done that yet, just do me a solid and and give me uh, at least four stars on this. I'd really prefer five. Give me six if you can find a way. But here's what we're dealing with here. You know, we can't have nice things. Three-game win streak, everything's seeming positive, and then you get this weird... Fortnite controversy. I'm calling it a non-troversy because it, it's not a controversy. I'm lighting a candle for the death of journalism is what I'm doing. My dear friend Rob Bradford wrote a piece right here for WEEI.com that was so not inflammatory, just so, I thought, interesting and actually painted Red Sox personnel in a very good light. If you haven't read it, go ahead and, and treat yourself. Treat yourself. to to, uh, this fine piece of journalism by Rob. Basically, it was just, you know, we heard so much about Fortnite last year. Wonder why we're not hearing about it much or seeing it around the clubhouse this year. It's a good journalistic question, and it was answered mostly by Nate Evaldi, and a couple others chimed in that, you know, it's just not a thing this year. And plus, we we got out 6-13. and That's not a good optic anyway. If everybody's just sitting around playing video games while a defending World Series champion is 6-13, and so... Uh, you know, we're kind of policing ourselves. It's just not the right time to be doing Fortnite. So somehow that gets twisted into there's a ban on Fortnite, and it's come from way up above or something like that. And, you know, I, I went to journalism school. I, I went to a pretty good journalism school. I went to Medill at Northwestern here in Chicago. I didn't get very good grades, but I do remember a professor, a guy by the name of Roger Boy, that very first class, Journalism 101, essentially, 
told us all, our, our little acne-faced freshman year, he, he said, if your mother tells you she loves you, check it out and get a second source. And I never forgot that. So basically what ended up happening was this weird game of operator. The word ban makes it all across America. And it just wasn't true. And it, it reminded me, I, I, I told uh, Evan Drellick this when I was on before the actual broadcast of what ended up being a 6-4 to four loss, and that's why I'm crabby. Uh, you know, it, it was shades of the whole, the Red Sox are going to make the play-by-play broadcast into a talk show narrative. You know, one guy said that, it gets picked up by one wire service, and then it's a headline on a thousand different websites. And a lot of broadcasters were totally turned off by that. Oh, is that how it's going to be? You guys could have done a lot better than me, probably, for one of these uh, fill-in with Joe assignments that, uh, you know, I've got and a bunch of other people have. I mean, thankfully, you've got some really good guys like Sean McDonough and and Obi and and Mario and Pemba. Uh, You probably could have done better than me had other real broadcasters not been scared off by this narrative. It was just not an an accurate narrative. So uh, just something to deal with before the game that never should have had to have been dealt with. So people were just kind of crabby. The weather was bad. I was crabby because we had this weird Uber experience going to the ballpark, this guy that would not shut up. Guy was probably 70 years old, uh, Chinese immigrant, lovely man, but he just wouldn't stop talking. He was a baseball fan and uh, just talking very, very loudly about how much he knew about baseball. He couldn't believe he was taking us to the ballpark because that's so exciting. Then when he realized that Dennis Eckersley was Dennis Eckersley, oh, my God, it was just over. It was uh, basically like the, the Chinese Chris Farley show. Remember that from Saturday Night Live when Chris Farley would, interviewed Paul McCartney? He's like, hey, remember, remember when you were in the Beatles? <laughs> that was awesome. Uh, it, was, it was that but with this you know, kind of sing-song voice uh, that was just grating and loud. and Anyway, so I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I'm in a very bad mood, and um, maybe I will go like a Chicago-style hot dog and cheer myself up at 1 in the morning. Those have very strict guidelines, by the way. I know I'm just vamping now before I get to the actual game because I just don't want to get to the game right now. Uh, here's the deal on Chicago-style hot dogs. They must have a steamed or boiled all-beef casing. It's a must. They got to have a poppy seed bun. It's a must. Got to have mustard, relish, onion, tomato, a dill pickle in there. But most importantly, no ketchup. You get one drop of ketchup. It, it renders your wiener non-Chicago style, and they get very upset with you. Um, that's probably a better option than Chicago style pizza at this hour. I'm recording this very late. Deep dish, right? And that's the, it's more of a, a pizza casserole than an actual pizza first ones were cranked out at uh, Pizzeria Uno, just a couple blocks west of where we stay here in Chicagoland, which sounds like an amusement park filled with guys who look like Ditka and eat sausage. So, all right, that's, I'm, I'm not trying to bash Chicago. I just, again, I'm, I'm, I'm grumpy, and I'll, I'll get to the game, I promise. All right, so uh, here's what we're looking at. Red Sox came in 14-17, and 17, but with a three-game win streak. That was actually the, the longest win streak in the American League at that point. They had won five out of seven. 8 out of 12. 8 out of 12 is 667 ball, ladies and gentlemen. And that's what they played for the entirety of last year. We're we're used to that nice number. And in this game, it was Lucas Giolito coming back. This is a guy that I personally really like just because he's big, interesting, uh, hard-throwing guy. He's got uh, relatives that were all in Hollywood. Giolito's dad was on uh, a soap opera, As the World Turns was on Twin Peaks and stuff like that. His mom was a love interest on, uh, on Cheers in a couple episodes. 
famously the grandfather, and this is totally up my alley, was was on Seinfeld. If you, if you know your Seinfeld, uh, Susan Ross's dad, you know, the guy whose cabin got burned down by Kramer, treasure the cabin. Those were John Cheever's last words in the, the love letter. If you don't know the episode, don't worry about it. But anyway, Giolito coming off the injured list. This guy took forever to work. And so did David Price, obviously. That always happens. David coming in with an ERA of 3.6. You figure that's an advantage. But after one inning, which took 31 minutes, White Sox 2, Red Sox 1. Red Sox settling for their 1. Devers a sack fly with the bases loaded. And then Michael Chavis struck out on a high fastball, so it was just one nothing. James McCann, a hot hitter, their catcher, bottom of the first inning. Two-run home run that barely got out. I mean, barely got out, and the wind just seemed to take it. The ball, we've talked about the ball this year. It's very tightly wound. Baseballs are jumping all over the place, all across baseball. We're on pace to see 800 more home runs this year than in any other season, even in the steroid era. And this just seemed to be one of those home runs. Like, come on, really? That ball got out? But McCann, actually a hot hitter right now. He's 14 for his last 30, and he made it 2-1 to Chicago. So Andrew Benintendi gets a hold of one in the top of the third, and it's one of those balls as well. Hits it to the opposite field. You think it's just kind of a lazy fly ball. Before you know it, it's gone. Or (laughs) he gone, as Hawk Harrelson used to say before he himself was gone. Only a 376-foot home run, but it, it counts. And at that point, it is two to two. Red Sox take the lead later in the inning. They had two on, nobody out from there. Betts, who's been red hot with a single. J.D. Martinez, a single. J.D. ended up on base four times in this game. But Xander Bogarts grounds out. Devers grounds out. So it's another RBI for Devers without a hit. And it's three to two Boston. But that's where it stopped. Chavis walked, but then Moreland flied out. And that was kind of the theme of the night. The Red Sox, even when they scored, it's like they could have had more and just didn't. Had the leadoff man on in the fifth, did not score. Seventh inning, after the game got tied 3-3 on a Jose Rondon base hit off of Price. That was basically the last act for Price. Uh, You get into the seventh inning, and it's two on, nobody out at the top of the order. Sets it up for Martinez, reaches on a fielder's choice, but Bogarts, who was hitting cleanup, strikes out. They intentionally walk Devers to get to Chavis, who just kind of pops one in the shallow center. And again, you settle for one run instead of a number like three. And, And that... That would end up being huge. The Red Sox ended up stranding 10 in this game. Didn't hit it all with men on base. It's funny because the, the top third of the order ended up 8 for 13. But after that, 0 for 20. It's like the opening act was better than the featured band. And, and I can speak to this because right here in Chicago, this is when I was going to, to college here. This is a true story. I saw Jerry Seinfeld open up for Yakov Smirnoff. If I can bring it back to Seinfeld again. Anybody remember Yakov Smirnoff? What a country. Uh, he was the featured guy, and Seinfeld was just the opener and was obviously much better. So in that spirit, yeah, top of the order, 8 for 13, but not a single hit after that. And even though the bullpen was doing its job for a while, there were five straight strikeouts, matter of fact. Seventh inning, eighth inning, into the ninth. That was Workman, who's been terrific. Matt Barnes struck out the side in the eighth, and good Lord, it is now 26 strikeouts. He's only faced 51 batters. And the Red Sox had been 11-2 and two when he pitches. It was about to be 12-2. and two, But then Brazier came in to knock it down, get the save in the ninth. And just a quick aside on that, you've got Barnes pitching to 2-3-4 in the order in the eighth, and that's why he's out there. I mean, to, to Alex Cora, I'm sure that's the save situation. It, it's a one-run game, and it doesn't get any tougher than 2-3-4. Anderson, Abreu, McCann... We talk about with the Red Sox, you know, the 
Pitchers try to neutralize the killer bees. It's Benintendi and Betts and Bogarts and Bradley when he's right. Uh, it's not the bees, but the A's with Chicago. It's Anderson and Abreu are, are the two really hot hitters. But they did nothing in this game. They both struck out against Barnes. It was Anderson on a curveball, Abreu blown away on a fastball. Then James McCann struck out on a curveball. So everything's right with the world. You've got one out in the ninth inning. But then Rafi Devers just absolutely muffs one at third base. Just a very casual ground ball. Wasn't a tricky hop. He just tried to almost flip the ball, it looked like, from his gloved hand to his bare hand. It didn't work out. So that's a league-leading ninth error now of the year for Devers. Nine of the 23 Red Sox errors this year have been made by Devers. And you know, they, I love the kid. He got that sweet face. They call him Carita, but it's more like Defita right now because he's making errors at big times. He doesn't make errors when it's a 6-1 game in the fifth inning. Every error, it seems like, just leads to chaos. And sure enough, Yonder Alonso pokes one in the left. Good piece of hitting. Give him credit. Makes it two on one out. Still 4-3 Boston at this point. And then Nicky Delmonico is an interesting at bat because he almost fouled out. Mitch Moreland tracked one over by the dugout on the first base side, just barely out of his reach, so the inning stays alive. And then Delmonico, who wasn't even starting in this game, it was Ryan Cordell, and he had been lifted for Delmonico as a pinch hitter earlier. Delmonico is only 3 for 17 for the year, only has eight home runs in his major league life. But then, with that new life after the, uh, the foul ball did not get caught, well, he gets a slider in the middle of the plate, just not a good pitch. Jackie Bradley Jr. goes back to the wall, makes a heroic leap, comes awfully close to to being Spider-Man and making this incredible catch that would have saved the game, but it goes just beyond him, barely over the wall, and there it is, a 6-4 walk-off for Chicago. 6-9-0 for the White Sox, 4-8-1 for Boston. So now the Red Sox dip to 14-18, and and it's a darn shame. Last year's postseason heroes have done very little so far. Bradley was the ALCS MVP. He's now hitting 150. Steve Pierce, World Series MVP, is four for 39, has one run batted in. Nate Evaldi, of course, was a cult hero of the World Series. He's on the injured list with an ERA north of six. Joe Kelly was a setup hero. He's now playing for the Dodgers. So, I'm just putting that out there for you, and uh, you know you don't have to love it, but I'm, I'm just mentioning it to you. Alex Cora met with the media after the game, talking about all that went right and wrong, and here's what he said. I mean, it's a tough one, but you know, we'll take our chances anytime we have the lead and, and those guys uh, pitching in the eighth and ninth. So, you know, just if we didn't make a play, then that, that pop-up before the home run, I thought for sure that was a fly ball to first, but that's the way it works, and we hung in slider, and it cost us a game. Uh, that's, that's a routine play. Yeah, he missed it. He's, he's made a lot of plays on, on tough balls, and the ones that he has errors on a lot of times are the routine ones. Is that something? Oh, we've been talking about it, you know, and we got to get better. You know, um, and that one, you know, i got to take a look at the video, but it seems like, you know, he was a little bit out of control, you know, and, and just missed it. But uh, I'll take a look at it, and, you know, we'll talk about it tomorrow and go from there. He grinded out. He did a good job. You know, um, you know, tough conditions out there, and for him to go six, you know, and, and give us a chance to win. That's what we're looking for for them, you know, and that's what he did. You know, um, or uh, probably two pitches up in the zone that McCann got to it. But besides that, you know, he did a good job mixing up, down change ups. You know, um, he gave us a chance to win the game. 
you like the way the top of the Orioles looked today? Yeah, they did an outstanding job. Uh, you know, just getting on base, putting good at bats. Um, not trying to do too much. Uh, you saw JD go the other way, Mookie go up the middle, uh, Benny, you know, getting on base. So, you know, um, we, we feel offensively we're moving the line. You know, um, I, I guess we left a lot of base runners on base, but you know, that's, you know, that's not going to happen often. So, you know, we felt offensively, you know, um, we did a good job. They got a good bullpen, mix and match, you know, a bunch of lefties, but uh, we we kept the line moving. We just, you know, didn't get that big hit. Obviously, any loss is not something you want, but after the way you guys have been playing, kind of discouraging to have it happen that way. I mean, well, we still got three more games here, so, you know, it's just one of those that, yeah, you turn the page, you come here, you know, our goal is to win this series, but, you know, you don't like losing, obviously, but like I said before, you know, we'll take our chances with those guys, you know, Barnsley and Work and Embrasure, you know, having the lead. What Barnsley did there against that part of the order? That's yeah, I mean, um, matchup-wise, uh, it just made sense for us. Um, if we needed somebody to come in the seventh to get one out, it was Brazier because he, he was more rested. But uh, when Work did what he did, you know, it was straight to Barnsley, and then, you know, we felt the matches at the end. You know, they were good for us. It just didn't happen. That was the way you wanted, right? Yes. All right, thanks to the skipper. And now we can look ahead to the game on Friday night, where it's supposed to be very cold again. Chris Sale is going to go up against Ronaldo Lopez. More on Lopez in a moment. But Sale still looking for that first win. Incredibly, you, when you look at last year's All-Star Game starters, Sale and Scherzer, they were combined 1-9 this year. Sale is 0-5 with a 6.3 since he signed that five-year, $145 million extension. You've got Marcus Walden, 4-0, and and Chris Sale, 0-5. It's absolutely incredible. And I know a lot of great pitchers have experienced outlier years uh, you know, uh, but then again, some of them have just suddenly lost their dominance altogether, and you're hoping this is not that. Tim Lincecum and Matt Cain and Felix Hernandez. Chris Sale's story is yet to be written. We, well, let's see what we got here. And, and not for nothing, but when, when Justin Verlander was Chris Sale's age a few years back, and he had just signed a five-year contract extension himself, he had a month with an ERA worse than Sale's April. He, he had a 6.82, and Verlander steered out of the skid just fine. So let's see what Sale has got on a Friday night back in Chicago, of course, where it all got started for him. Reynaldo Lopez will match against him. This is a guy who's on record saying he hates pitching in cold weather. Sale's going to be out there in short sleeves, I guarantee it. But last weekend, Lopez falling just two strikeouts short of matching the single-game White Sox record for strikeouts in one game. 16 is their record. Jack Harshman in 1954. That was at Fenway, by the way. And he had a very good fastball in that 14-strikeout game. A lot of wiggle, a lot of run. 14 strikeouts joins Jacob deGrom as the only guy to do that in the majors this year. All but one of those strikeouts came on the four-seam fastball. So that's pretty impressive stuff. And in that game, 20 strikeouts total for White Sox pitching. That did set a record for them for a nine-inning game. So that's part of what to look for. Game two of a four-game series. The White Sox now have a 14-15 and 15 record. The Red Sox are 14 and 18. Not a lot of people saw that coming at all, but then again, I didn't see the Chinese Chris Farley show coming in an Uber, and, and that's life. So uh, thanks again for listening. Appreciate it. And one more reminder to go ahead and, and do that thing I, I begged you to do. I, I don't even really know how you do it, but if, you, if you're doing this on iTunes and you want to give it the five stars, that would make your, your podcaster very happy. Appreciate that. All right, so no more Fortnite talk, please. If you guys want to talk about Luigi's Mansion, I'm in, or Battletoads, or Metroid Prime, uh, that that's fine. But let's leave Fortnite alone for a while. 
and give Rob Bradford a rest. Huh? Thanks. All right, I'll be, I'll be in a better mood tomorrow. Promise you. Josh Lewin, take it easy. Bye-bye. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com.